thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's guest is Dr. Stephen Lynn, who is a board-registered dentist, writer and speaker based in Sydney, Australia, who has recently published a book titled The Dental Diet. Now, some of uh, Dr. Lynn's work has featured in the Sydney Morning Herald, the British Dental Journal, and he's also written for Mind Body Green about .com and also given talks as part of the TEDx program. Stephen's holistic approach with his patients is to focus on the mouth-body connection, including taking into consideration ancestral nutrition, the oral and gut microbiome, and epigenetics. So I think this is going to be a really fascinating uh, discussion. So to talk more about dental health, nutrition, and sleep, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Dr. Lynn. Hello. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great. Yeah, really, really good to, to have you, Stephen. Thank you so very much uh, for joining me. I have I have been uh, following slash stalking you on Instagram and can see that you have honestly, you're doing this whirlwind tour at the moment uh, since the release of, um, the, of your book, The Dental Diet. Is that right? Yeah, I've actually just come from. So I'm um, I'm actually in Los Angeles, but I just flew from London to Los Angeles today. So I've kind of just been, yeah. Book uh, releases are a very strange thing, and the US is so big, and so it's been we've been trying to cover as much ground as possible, but it's been very exhausting. Or probably similar to what uh, shift work has experienced. <laughs> You know, different time zones, never sleeping. It is quite exhausting. <laughs> totally, yeah. You're getting a little bit of an insight, uh, it definitely, in what our listeners have to uh, endure, I suppose. The jet lag is normally a little temporary thing uh, for you. It's ongoing at the moment um, while you're out and about. But, um, yeah, it must be cold over there, then, I'm thinking, where you've been at least. Like freezing. Yeah, so the UK so – the- <laughs> Yeah, so um, the Midwest was very cold and London was very cold too. So I was, um, yeah, the, I mean, normally obviously in February is very, very hot in Australia, so I'm missing that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Well, look, thanks again for um, squeezing me in. So I guess first things um, first, like how did you get into uh, dentistry in the first place, Stephen? Like is it something that you've kind of always wanted to do? Yeah, so I mean, basically, um, I I mean, I was always kind of a, um, obsessed with oral health as a kid, um, but yeah, I was I was I was a very kind of uh, sports and science kind of uh, you know interested student, and then went into um, biomedical science, and so I, I like the idea of um, you know being able to um, you know. Fix things with your hands, obviously, with with a kind of physiological and a and a mechanical aspect, which is basically what what de- dentistry is. And so I really liked that, and so that was kind of what drew me to it. Um, but I, I did always have kind of this drawing to teeth and the importance of oral health, and so that was kind of uh, I think the first uh, reason why I began to you know have that interest in it. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And uh, 
you're actually now a holistic kind of dentist as well. Could you explain to our listeners like what what like what's the difference between I, I guess the a regular dentist, if that's the right word for it, um, versus you know someone that's more into the kind of holistic dentistry? Yeah, I mean, so holistic is kind of a word that uh, you know that, that gets thrown around. I, I've actually kind of I, I kind of label myself as a functional dentist, and so okay. kind of what happened was that I was practicing dentistry, and I found that uh, it had taken me a long way away from this lifestyle and kind of uh, environmental nutrition based um, style. Uh, approach that I always had in my life, you know, I, I knew that, you know, performance, health and, you know, overall life, so I always had a very kind of, um, you know, balanced approach to life and I found that dentistry and being a dental practitioner had stripped that away a bit because it's a very difficult set of skills to pick up mm-hmm. and um, when you, uh, you know, like when you're training, you know, you focus on, you know, reconstructing teeth in the mouth, you know, materials and uh, controlling infections. And so what actually happens is that you become very laser focused in this mechanical me- mechanical aspect. And, you know, I found that that, you know, kind of took me away from, um, you know, perhaps understanding what were the lifestyle environmental inputs to all this. And so, I began to think about that as the years went on, you know, practicing, you, you build your skills, but then you eventually, um, you know, I, I began to wonder, you know, whether I had all the answers to what I saw in people's mouths. And I saw people that were very sick, you know, people with gum disease, people um, with uh, tooth decay, kids with jaws that didn't grow. Suddenly, I realized there was a lot of things that I didn't know the answers to, and it took me on this journey to understand trying to find, you know, what was really causing all this dental disease we have in society. And, mm. um, you know, actually this whole spectrum of um, problems that we have with health today and that, um, you know, we really don't take an approach to preventing them. And so that's what functional dentistry is. It's that getting to that root cause of the problem. And my approach, my main focus is nutrition and that, the idea that every disease we see in the mouth is guided by nutrition because uh, dental diseases are chronic by nature, tooth decay, gum disease, uh, crooked teeth, even wisdom teeth impactions. They're all a problem with either growth, development, or imbalances uh, in the body. And so food really is the ultimate uh, director of this. And so that's my approach to it, is that we need to understand how food uh, is a way to heal all of this and, and how to prevent these diseases in the first place. Mm. Yeah, wow, mm. it's such a, a uh, awesome combination of skills that you've got there because obviously, yeah, the it's all you're looking at it very much from a uh, preventative approach, uh, you know, as opposed to like you know, you you'll have a continual stream of clients, no doubt. Uh, you know, everyone's got like these teeth issues going on, but I love the way that you've kind of just gone up that next level to kind of dig deeper and start asking more questions. You know, why? Like, why is this happening? Uh, you know, and, and so forth, like why your client's kind of presenting with this. Well, that was, I guess, was going to be my next question is, you know, what are the major dental issues, like the problems that you're seeing in your patients today? Yes, I mean, I mean, basically our mouths are in a really terrible shape and we've actually missed what I think is one of the biggest health epidemics on the planet in that kids don't grow jaws to fit 32 teeth anymore. And so wow. the idea that we need okay. braces 
Yeah. To, yeah, the idea that kids need braces is actually uh, a developmental problem. Now, the reason why they then have crooked teeth is because their jaws haven't grown. And their jaws haven't grown because they haven't eaten the right, they haven't fed their bodies the right mm. thing. So it becomes this huge problem and that we've actually completely misunderstood, you know, this developmental issue. And so, the, and then the problems in, then uh, flow on all throughout life. So when you don't grow a, a jaw that fits teeth, so you have a high palate and kind of a cramped skinny face, you have got by definition, cramped skinny airways. So many kids today have airway issues. They don't breathe well when they sleep. Uh, they snore. We, we and you know we grow up to be adults that don't breathe well either. So we have sleep apnea, and we, um, which is basically oxygen deprivation when we uh, sleep. So up for up to twenty seconds, and that's quite alarming. Mm. So that's connected to heart disease, type two diabetes. Um, high blood pressure, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, all of the conditions we see, you know, the whole spectrum of chronic disease, I think comes back to a process in the mouth. And so one of the biggest things I'm trying to get out there is that uh, crooked teeth and orthodontic braces are a preventable problem and that it's actually a nutritional issue and we need to see it like that. Mm, yeah, and so starting yeah way back when the yeah kids are obviously yeah much younger. Actually, you did uh, post something on social media about that uh, that link that you're mentioning between the mouth and the sleep disorders, uh, which I thought was was really fascinating. I think you mentioned that a particular reference to nutrient O, which I loved. Uh, yeah, could you I guess enlighten our listeners on what you mean by vitamin or nutrient O? Yeah, well, I mean, so like the number one in the dental diet, we learned that the, the number one nutrient, you know, you can last weeks without food, you can last probably days without water, but like you, the number one nutrient is oxygen. Uh, mm. So, you know, if you, you'll last minutes without it and we actually don't, we're now a population of people that don't breathe well. Uh, and so when you don't breathe through your nose, what actually happens is nitric oxide, NO, is uh, released in the, the nasal sinuses when you breathe through your nose. So if you go to sleep and you breathe through your mouth or not, you're actually delivering air that's cold and that doesn't um, uh, increase blood perfusion in the lungs. And so what happens is you don't get that crossover of oxygen from your hemoglobin. And so this is what we're doing constantly now. And so mouth breathing will actually stunt the growth of the face, which causes crooked teeth, but we're actually at the same time causing... Um, oxygen deprivation and so that's what so people that snore people who don't breathe well at night it's a problem with breathing generally and it all stems from our jaws not growing properly and so when you sleep your all the muscles in your face relax and so what happens is that your the core muscles that control your airway which is involved with the tongue um, and some of the other pharynx uh, muscles that that posture there that hold your airways open if that flops back you get a choking response. The brain is told that it's in a um, kind of survival mode, and you wake up out of sleep. So this is this is actually uh, you know part of a, a spectrum of sleep disorders where we're basically choking ourselves in our, in our sleep, and we don't get that deep REM sleep. We need to replenish the brain, which is really important. Yeah, and then that obviously compounds uh, for the shift workers out there that are already running on uh, a sleep debt. Uh, many a times for multiple reasons, you know, kind of different 
erratic shifts and or working through the night and, and so forth. So that's, yeah, definitely uh, a concern that I have uh, with my patients is that they might be walking around with an undiagnosed, um, yeah, sleep disorder such as sleep apnea. And, and I guess people kind of, some people are a bit scared of being uh, potentially being diagnosed with sleep apnea because you you know they kind of think that they're going to have to wear this big clunky sleep app machine to bed. Uh, but there are like a lot of less evasive like dental appliances that can help with this sleep apnea, aren't they? Yeah, that's a good point. There's um there, there's a lot of ways. So we we kind of see that you know there's the CPAP machine, which by the way is like a it's like a vacuum that pumps blood uh, air sorry down the um down the airways and so that's really not an approach we should be thinking about for long term mm-hmm. you know that's obviously it does help in some situations but having that you know for instance and some in some cases kids are having this that's not an approach uh dental appliances can help so that's where you have the double uh you have what's called a ma- mandibular ad- advancement uh device which pulls your ju- lower jaw forward so you've got an upper and lower sprint, and then what that does is it holds your um, your mandible lower jaw forward and stops it from opens the airway. But the, the thing about those is it doesn't work in every situation. Mm. It will depend on where your airway restriction is. So people that are restricted up in the the nasal area, so pulling their jaw forward isn't going to get them to breathe much better at night. So there's a there's a certain level of diagnosis that's needed. So really finding where the restriction is and how people breathe. But a big part of it all is actually if you retrain people to breathe properly through the day, they'll actually breathe better through the night. And so if you can get someone to feel comfortable breathing through their nose through the day and using their tongue muscles, so the tongue actually holds the airways open because it slings back to the lower the base of the skull, the hyoid bone, the the lower the jaw it's all connected there and so it's like a hammock that holds your airways open so you have to posture that properly when you're working when you're uh exercising when you're just watching television not there hanging with with your mouth hanging open and that helps you actually keep those muscles turned on when you go to sleep wow that's interesting so you're not talking about like diagrammatic breathing there are you saying yes but yeah well so diaphragm diaphragmatic definitely yeah that's all part of it but the the posture in in the um in the uh but the the face and the jaw needs to make sure that we get that airway delivery from the the nasal sinuses Mm -hmm. then we're going deep into diaphragmatic breathing deep slow diaphragmatic breathing but the thing about diaphragmatic breathing is that it actually if you do that it'll cause you to stand straight and have this posture very hard to do that you know what standing forward with your mouth open if you try and lean forward and then breathe through your mouth into your diaphragm you can't do it it just goes straight into your chest so it's all a postural thing and diaphragmatic breathing is very important too we've got to understand that it all starts from the nose and the training ourselves to breathe through the nose with closed lips tongue to the roof of the mouth is how we posture our upper airways and that's what delivers that deep diaphragmatic breath and that's what delivers oxygen throughout the body because actually that's slower um, flow of air through the body actually allows carbon dioxide to build up, and that's what that's what pushes oxygen to be uh, perfused, you know, um, over the blood the, uh, the 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 blood barriers in in the lungs. Otherwise, if you if you have short um, uh, fast breaths, you never get that carbon dioxide build up, and you never get that biochemical crossover that causes oxygen to be dumped out of the hemoglobin basically 
Mm, and I think so many of us these days are running around with the, the short, sharp breaths, aren't we, as opposed to that, that beautiful, calming, deep, restorative uh, breathing that, yeah, that we can do with, with a little meditation app or whether we do, you know, a yoga session or something. It's, uh, yeah, but that's interesting that you're talking from like uh, with a bit of the structural um, there as well with the leaning forward and because that, that alone is that fight and flight kind of stress response, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. No, that, that's completely it. And this is what, um, you know, most kids that walk in the dental surgery, that's what they look like. Mm. Uh, yeah, and so, but then we become adults like this. And then, yeah, if you're, um, you know, depending on your occupation or whatnot, a lot, you know, for instance, dentists, we stoop all day. And so that was a big part of realizing that I was actually, you know, um, not breathing well and not posturing myself well because dentists are designed to, well, not designed, but we by <laughs> we're leading over people's mouths all day. So if you've got an occupation where you do look over like that, and most do, most occupations today, you know, have us bent over something or sitting at a um, at a desk or uh, you know picking things up from the. So we do find ourselves in these positions a lot. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the whole hunch over the computer, that's for sure. Look, uh, there is also um, like a a tremendous amount of research, uh, which I'm sure you can agree with me here, that that places a lot of focus on the gut health at the moment. And given, you know, the mouth is technically the start of the digestive tract, which is your your whole area, obviously. Look, no one is really talking about this mouth health, I suppose, in the same context as – as yourself, which is why it's just, yeah, it's really awesome to kind of listen to you um, and, and along with the content that you're sort of sharing. So, I mean, how, just how important is this mouth health in relation to our gut health? Yeah, it's really interesting because like like you say, the um, you know gut health has just been such an explosive area mm. of scientific research in the last 10 years. You know, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of papers come out about showing out how your gut is the center of all the different conditions that we see today. And we're talking about, you know, very, you know, digestive issues, metabolic issues, immune issues, autoimmune conditions, um, even, uh, you know, brain and behavior problems. This is all scientifically shown to start uh, in processes that go wrong in the gut. But the amazing thing is, is that we've forgotten that the gut starts in the mouth. And so we swallow thousands of bacteria every second and so we really have missed and our idea of the mouth and this is kind of the dental uh way of looking at too is that you know we scrub and clean and disinfect but we have you know thousands 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 of species of microbes that live in the mouth that actually protect our teeth against tooth decay protect us against gum disease and actually when uh now that we're sequencing what the the oral microbiome what we when you compare it to kind of ancestral populations, you see that we've lost diversity, mm. and so ecological um, uh, balance is a more diverse population. So when we destroy things like we have, and the main factor is food, but when we go in and brush and scrub and um, you know put disinfect uh, you know a- antibacterial mouthwashes in there, this isn't conducive to what we've you know for a long time had as uh, you know kind of a healthy environment so the mouth gut connection i think is one of the most uh, exciting new steps uh and you really got to realize that you know we have a profound um access to our to processes all over the body 
Yeah, and it's interesting too, but like we, there is so much just, you know, focus on this whole gut health. But yeah, if we just kind of backtrack a bit and literally kind of go up our digestive tract and up to the mouth, yeah, we, we are skipping that at the moment. We've, but, but as you said, like, and what you're beautifully highlighting is that we really need to be uh, looking at this first and foremost, because this is, this is where it all starts. And the thing is, like, we're not talking about it much anyway apart from you and <laughs> what you're doing obviously um and with your with your great book and so forth so how important is this whole chewing process then yeah so i mean like chewing so one thing about uh you know shaping what's good for the mouth uh being re- good for the rest of the body is that it simplifies nutrition so much you know there's been so much confusing uh, information out there about what's uh, a healthy diet is and what mm. we should eat and so when we take it back to the raw principles that give us, um, you know, a, a healthy, uh, you know, oral cavity, that's, you know, it, it, it takes away all of the kind of, um, you know, misdemeanors and, and confusion. And, um, you know, once you get to end disease process in the body, it becomes very complicated. But so chewing, for instance, chewing is a physical process. Now, if we take uh, one of the, the most fundamental human feeding processes, which is breastfeeding, we see that there is functional uh, benefits to the feeding process. And so a, a child uh, you know, uses their tongue to push the, uh, a mother's nipple to the top of the mouth. That expands the upper jaw. It holds their airways open with those tongues to the roof of the mouth, and they breathe through their nose. Now, so physical function and the chewing and, and the use of these, you know, ma- muscles of mastication, not the facial muscles, develop the jaw. It's just like any musculoskeletal joint in the body. And so chewing food, you know, fibrous raw vegetables or uh, meat on the bone, that is a part of what we've always done, and that's what helps us develop um, these kind of uh physical function to food but then there's also the stimulatory you know we start digestion you know uh you know there's uh enzymes released by saliva so the digestion process starts in the mouth and so if we skip this then we we lose that whole rung of the ladder Mm. and i guess some of the problems that our, our listeners are kind of facing is that they they don't always get the proper meal breaks which means they often have to kind of inhale their food at a rate of knots uh, you know whether that's you know on or literally still walking around doing what they're doing or sitting at a desk uh, it, it's certainly getting harder and harder for people to kind of do that more for a better word mindful eating isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I, I def- the one thing I do in the, in the dental diet is to take it through a, a, um, a series of breathing exercises and, and try and get them to do before a meal. And we're talking about a minute, you know, like uh, obviously, you know, in a break. Actually, I used to, to work um, in, a, in a leagues club when I was doing my first degree, so I did do some um, some shift work, and I know it's very difficult. <laughs> okay. uh, so... Yeah, but actually, so the breathing um, exercises, so if you sit and breathe in a deep diaphragmatic way through your nose, it will actually prime your digestive system and calm the body from that sympathetic mode that you're in to that parasympathetic mode that releases all the uh, enzymes and gets your body ready for digestion. Just by doing that, you know, you you actually might draw a lot more from the meal than what, um, you know, what uh, you would normally if you just go and 
kind of scoff food on the run, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's yeah, that's definitely good advice. We'll have to look at that up uh, uh, in your book, that's for sure. So getting back to the food uh, part that you do mention uh, that you, one of your areas of focus is on ancestral nutrition. Like, Could you explain what it is that you're meaning by this, that we're meant to be eating more plants, we're meant to be eating more proteins? Ancestral nutrition, uh, from the perspective that I take it, is that there are – there were traditional societies all around the world that had um, that had food uh, cultures or uh, ways of preparing food that we've gone away from, and so all of these, can, you know, there was a dentist that went around. So the dental diet is based on a book uh, by a dentist named Weston A. Price, who went around the '30s and went to 40 of these cultures all around the world in the '30s as the modern diet was infiltrating these. Tri- traditional ways of living. What he found was that people didn't have dental disease, they didn't have impacted teeth, they didn't have crooked teeth, they didn't have tooth decay because they ate foods that as they'd been prepared for thousands of years before we entered the industrial diet. And so this is happening you know, less than a century ago. So we're not necessarily talking about, say, paleo or this kind of idea of cavemen anyway. We're actually talking about something that was around decades ago. And so we've actually lost this deep connection to food and why it's so important. So, for instance, um, you know, all of the, the uh, cultures ate foods rich in fat-soluble vitamins, it's vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin K2, 10 to 20 times as much as what, uh, you know, the modern diet does. So if you look at the modern diet, you'll see that, you know, we've stripped all of that out basically. And so they made sure that they had these foods. They prepared them in the way that they, um, it, 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 you know, kept those nutrients there in this their richest forms. And they, um, you know, they always had these foods. And there were different sources all over the world, but they were always getting them. And so this way of traditional eating, so things like organ meat dishes and things like, um, you know, full fat, you know, well prepared dairy from um, cows raised on a pasture or, you know, stocks, you know, traditionally cooked stocks for hours where it extracts all the nutrients from bones, um, you know, well, you know, natural raised kind of, you know, vegetables. These are the foods that we've subsided on for thousands of years. And so getting back to those, uh, that understanding I think is important and we can do it. It just, we need to build that perspective first. Mm, yeah, definitely getting more back to the the minimally processed stuff that comes out of a box and a can or a, or or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, interesting. You're mentioning about the paleo and everything because we do. There is a lot of confusion, as you say. There's so many like different labels of different diets to kind of do and and so forth. Um, but yeah, get I like that ancestral approach um, that that you mentioned there. Yeah. You've also um, written a few articles on sleep and gut health, uh, Stephen, which obviously, uh, you know, is one of my all-time favorite topics given, you know, shift workers are kind of prone to this ongoing and relentless kind of sleep and circadian disruption. Could you share some of the research that you've found um, over the years on on gut health and how that does impact on, on our sleep? Yeah, so what we've found is that people with sleep disorders have a characteristic shift in gut microbes. So that might mean that you, so you don't sleep well, then your your gut bacteria aren't going to be happy. So there's a circadian rhythm to uh, your um, to 
to basically your, your digestive bacteria. So yeah. that means that when you sleep well, that means likely what's happening is that you, you're um, the microbes in your body are doing things, and we've learned this. You know that you know, there is a lot going on when we, um, so for instance, when you don't eat, when you fast. But sleeping, particularly, is important. So that means if you do have a disrupted sleeping cycle, uh, it's likely that you're more susceptible to digestive imbalances like that. So I would be for people that do uh, have shifts uh, cycles, I would be taking very particular care to make sure that when you have the time off that you are getting that sleep to reprogram but then going you can also you know uh take steps to make sure you that you replenish your gut and um you know hopefully prevent that um those imbalanced environments so like things like uh you know removing all processed foods eating lots of prebiotic and probiotic foods um you know they might want to take a probiotic supplement that's something we can do now which you know has um you know may or may not be beneficial depending on the situation but there are ways to be thinking about your gut health and and if you are you'll hopefully be able to prevent that kind of shift that happens where you have digestive imbalance you have sleep problems and then that you go down the road to the to you know chronic disease Mm. Yeah, I think you made a, a, a powerful comment there about how our gut has its own circadian rhythms. I, I do remember reading up on that myself a little while ago and that kind of just blew me away because we kind of forget that like our whole body, you know, just has this one circadian, well, we think it, we, we just have this one circadian rhythm, you know, happening um, in our brain. Um, but the fact that, you know, every organ, tissue and cell has its own circadian rhythm and that then that includes the gut. So when we have these, uh, yeah, disproport like strange working times with the disruption to our melatonin and so forth, uh, you know, all, all this kind of things potentially uh, can make things worse, and I know that um, the I know probably pretty much every shift worker listening will be able to relate to you know feelings of gut disturbances and so forth as as a result uh, of that. One of the things that I try and um, recommend for my clients because of exactly what you've just mentioned, uh, Stephen, is that I try to get them to eat minimally while their digestive system is sleeping, <laughs> meaning you know during the night. Try not to eat too much because yeah, you kind of are um, potentially making things worse. What are your thoughts on that? Well, fasting has been shown to have um, positive effects on the gut microbiome. And so people are a bit different, you know, like, you know, some people don't do well. But, I mean, I, I, I think that having periods of not eating, I think, is uh, uh, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, depending on your shift cycle, you might – it might be – you know, you might prefer um, – fasting for instance skipping breakfast um but other people too yeah exactly rather than having say a big meal when you come home and say five or six a.m in the morning whatever it is uh you'd probably be better off fasting and then going to sleep and so i think that i, I think generally that's that that's when, when people find their cycle they, they are going to benefit from that yeah or even yeah minimally eating minimally during the night shift because our gut is meant to be sleeping at that particular time. So when we kind of have yeah. that big burger at 3 a.m., it's, yeah, not going to be too help, too um, too friendly on the gut bacteria. Exactly. Mm. 
Yeah. All right. Um, and so, you know, given we do have that, obviously, that bi-directional mouth-gut connection and, you know, the teeth grinding as well, actually, that's something that we haven't really spoken much about. But, you know, teeth grinding is also a potential symptom of poor sleep. Could a disrupted gut, you know, such as one which, you know, maybe contains parasites, like can that cause teeth grinding? Yeah, parasites can cause teeth grinding. Um, it's more common in kids. Okay. Um, but if, if you are persistently grinding your teeth, uh, you might want to investigate digestive parasites, especially if you're a long-term shift worker. I'd recommend looking at that. Um, but so teeth grinding actually usually um, occurs in sleep issues and breathing issues. So what happens is that the, the brain is actually pushing the jaw forward to open the airway. So it's a sign you're not breathing well. It's actually that choking response and it's a condition called upper airway resistance syndrome, which is on the spectrum of sleep apnea. And so if you grind your teeth, um, a very similar set of symptoms that people get are digestive issues, cold hands and feet. Um, they're, you know, kind of, they're, they're always tired. They feel um, sometimes anxious and depressed. Um, and so it's this very kind of, unrestful sleep that doesn't give them their brain this kind of replenished state and so teeth grinding fits into that spectrum so if you do grind your teeth i would be thinking along those lines but there can be other um a biological reason for them such as parasites yeah any particular parasites that you've sort of come across that there has that real distinct connection uh, mainly the, the more common ones that kids get. So uh, I don't often find that grinding is a uh, cause of parasites in adults, but it, it can be. And because um, some adults do have particular uh, – the name escapes me, actually. I, I do remember a case, um, and it was actually from – they'd been to Southeast Asia and they'd caught a bug. I can't remember what it was. Um, but – more common in kids, but if you do find that it's persistent, yeah. I would definitely go down that road for, for testing. Yeah, and usually uh, either digestive testing or some, some naturopaths will do that kind of, um, you, you know, uh, digestive sequencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Interesting. So I sort of never really thought too much too much about it, but um, yeah, it's interesting that that could be yeah one of one of the many uh, contributing factors. Well, look, this has been um, you know really fascinating uh, stuff, Stephen. You know, it's certainly you know awesome to kind of see someone bringing so much attention to the importance of dental health uh, in relation to our overall health and well being. I think that's where you really kind of stand out. That you're just you're not focusing on that one kind of um, system. Um, you know, not just on our teeth, but, you know, our gastrointestinal health and sleep as well. But, you know, where can people for, find more about, you know, your work? And obviously your recently published book that you've got, The Dental Diet. I mean, it it sounds awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to um, be ordering my, my copy, that's for sure, since talking to you now. It sounds brilliant. Yeah, so they can find me on the website, so www.drstephenlin.com, so D-R-S-T-E-V-E-N-L-I-N.com, and The Dental Diet's available on Amazon or in Booktopia in Australia, um, also available in Dimmicks in Australia too or Barnes & Nobles in the US. Um, yeah, but it's been a great it's it's a, been a great journey. I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, dental nutrition, I can tell you, is life changing. Once you understand the principles, it's very simple. So I really encourage people to try, you know, to you know, get out there and get this information because it's um, it's powerful for your life and it applies to everyone. 
um, you know, your teeth are important and they connect to, you know, nearly everything in your body. So get out there and learn about it. Yeah, it, it, it sounds great. And given shift workers, we uh, unfortunately, we, we tend to not eat that well because we, you know, go through that vicious cycle of, of being tired all the time. But yeah, I think um, your book's definitely going to be a real eye-opener <laughs> for, um, yeah, for many of your listeners, including myself as well. So I'm really, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting a copy. Oh, I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tell me how you go with it. Definitely. I'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, that's it uh, for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit, as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources including my newsletter just visit my website healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address thanks so very much for tuning in and listening until next time may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24 7 this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.